Hey everyone, I'm Jamie. And I'm Andrea, or as most people call me, Anj. And this is Trendish. We'll be covering relationships, faith, leadership, health, and everything in between. I'll definitely troll. And I'll probably cry. And we're so glad you're here to witness the whole thing. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. All right, Jim, what are we talking about today? Another light topic over here at Trendish. Um, thought we could dive into work a little bit. And... Nice. Uh, some failures, some fears, some boundaries. I don't know if you have any of those things, but I have all of them. <laughs> I meh, maybe not on the boundaries as much, but we do have the fears and failures. I have all of the all of the things you said. I, um, you know, continue to grow in awareness of the things that you just said, but I have them. <laughs> Yeah, it's ever evolving. Um, For a little bit of context, we actually have recorded a little bit of this episode, but uh, felt it was, you know, in order to really give it justice, we're re-talking about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Work is such a large topic. Um, I know we wanted to talk about Um, even like vision of work and how you cast vision for another person and is it really possible to do that Mm -hmm. in a you know in a way that they can actually pick it up and run with I feel like you're blessed if you have the skill and can do that yeah but you're the one that reads more leadership books than I do you probably have quotes on that if I search my notes in my phone, I just might find a quote on vision. Um, you know, visioneering by Andy Stanley. That's always a good one. It's, it's literally about casting vision. I think what's hard about it is like, okay, I have this idea in my head. And in order to actually get somebody else to understand that idea, how much detail do I need to give them? And how much like handholding do I need to do? Are some people just better at it than others? I honestly, I, I do think that there's an element to this that is, there's only so much you can train, I think, on this topic. I would also clarify, at least in my opinion, there's a difference between instruction and vision. And so there's a difference between when I'm literally just trying to like instruct somebody on how to practically do something mm-hmm. versus when I'm trying to get them on board for moving forward in you name it an event a vision a place a person whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish and so so i think like when you say vision i think the only wanting to reiterate that it is um maybe on the larger scale of either vision or instruction i do think the two are different that's why i probably answer the question you just said a little differently depending on you know what we're talking about do you feel like delegation is a like a prerequisite for casting vision? Yeah, because I think in order for somebody to be able to catch a vision, they have to feel like they own something. So if I don't feel like I'm owning something or I'm not part of this thing that's moving, then why does my vision have to play an importance in this? Or why is it, why am I, why is my position significant at all if I can't be trusted to be handed something to? Have you ever had to work under a vision you couldn't get behind? What did I make it like four minutes without get, getting you a, a hard question? Have I had to work um, for a vision that I couldn't get behind? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for quite some time. <laughs> Do you want to expound on that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, actually, um, it was Allison who did say this best. I say that because she's been now on this podcast. So check out her, her episode with us. But I remember her telling me pretty early on when I first started working for us, I mean, I was like young, I just graduated college. And when you graduate college, you think like, you're either changing the world or you're failing, pretty much. You either know everything or nothing. Yep. And if you're not changing the world or you have like your own big vision in place, then you're, you know, a failure. So I remember talking to her kind of about that because in getting to know the different leaders and just different, maybe a little bit closer than I had when I was a student, I realized like, man, not, not everybody who's like in their role necessarily is like totally agrees with the vision that's being casted to them. And yet they cast it to others and even get others on board. Like, how do you do that? And I just remember her saying like, on their certain seasons in life and more often than not when your your responsibility is to help fulfill another man's vision and there will come a time when um, maybe you'll have a vision of your own that you'll want fulfilled but for like I think a lot of our younger working life like we're our role is to fulfill the vision of those before us and above us and um, it was just humbling because I don't think you necessarily hear that a lot especially as a young 20 year old you're like if it's not something you agree with or not something you can get behind, it's a little bit harder to be motivated. And so that's kind of what those years became for me was just understanding it isn't all totally my vision, but what on the other hand has helped me push through that at the same time is understanding that there is still a vision that I carry. So if I don't agree with the person necessarily above me or this greater vision that we are fulfilling, I do understand that I have my own role to play in this small group of people that I lead. Um, And I can make that vision be something I believe in. I can make those people get behind something that I I find valuable and I find um, purposeful and I find helpful, you know, to the world in some capacity. I learned that best from Andy Stanley, actually, because um, he was uh, just a young 20 year old in this book that he wrote. I think it was his next generation leader book and he was talking about how he and a friend had started working for his dad at this really large church church's dad his dad had kind of built or whatever and um he was seeing tons of things with team i mean he was a young college grad so he was just in one of those like everything could change we could do everything better blah 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 um there's so much more potential here wanting to change things that were way outside of his realm I would say venture say like the big picture of like the church, the church culture, everything. And his dad pretty quickly was like, listen, like you're, you're 20. I know you think you know everything, but you don't. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't actually say that, but that's kind of the gist of what I remember of it. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, you can't just come in and try and change culture. That's these people before you've been building for 20 years as like this 20 year old. Um, Which I can understand definitely. And so Andy said that he learned, he went back to the team he had, which was just a group of the leaders in the youth program because he was the youth pastor. And I think he said it was a turning point in his life where he looked back and realized, I can't change this big vision. I might not even be fully behind it, but I do get ownership over the the vision and the people that I lead and the department that I lead and the way that I want to lead it and the fruit that I want to come of it, whether it's now or in 10 years or whatever it is. And so I guess it's a a long answer to your question to kind of say, like, have I been under a vision that I didn't agree with 100%? Absolutely. But I always try to authentically make sure that any vision I'm asking people below me to connect with or get on board with is something that I do believe in for that group of people, for that department, for that area, 
in the way that only I could control because there were a lot of elements that were very much outside of my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say in not so, m- so many words like you, but just that like you can work for the same place and have two completely different visions. And I think that's what's yep. beautiful about it, but also kind of scary because yep. they can be really great visions or really not great visions. And you don't always know ahead of time what you're getting. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's where the question you're asking of vision really comes into play. Yeah, I guess how do you find your vision when you when you are in those places where you can't get behind it from your leader? Where do you pull it from? Deep within. Oh my gosh. Deep, deep within. You just gotta <laughs> pull deep. <laughs> I have um, nothing to say to you. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of true as much as I'm trolling. Like, uh, and it's a hard question to answer because I don't, I honestly don't have a practical answer. I feel like vision kind of, for me, vision has come from inspiration and inspiration in the line of work I've been and really has been driven very much by people and stewarding them and leading them well. And um, there's a lot of different ways that I've, that I've pulled from that or landed on that. I've also been fortunate to kind of be like in an area as well that vision was pretty clearly established even before I got there. Like for instance, they had a crafted and pretty well-crafted vision statement. They had, you know, pillars, three pillars that I still believed in and and still continue to lead through. So I was fortunate in a way to have people before me in the roles that I've been in that stewarded vision well in a way that I kind of just continued it. Um, But there's a lot of, I think, young leaders who are trying to do the same thing, lead smaller departments, lead smaller teams, Mm -hmm. lead smaller businesses, I don't know, churches, whatever it is, um, families. And that stuff doesn't exist. There isn't necessarily like a vision statement there or pillars there or anything like that. Um, And even with us having that stuff there, it still sometimes wasn't enough. And so I think when I'm looking back, one of the biggest ways that I helped our team find vision is there were, there were like countless hours. I mean, some of my boys could have been probably been annoyed with how many times I made us do this, but we would like go through and, find vision that's been lost like there were so many brainstorming sessions I made them do and ways that we crafted our vision statements differently or for instance like I (laughs) I made us come up with a staff creed that we recite before every staff meeting um, which is hilarious and it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book but I'm telling you like that we all all three of us agreed like that shifted the culture and what we were doing and we needed something to like it had it was getting pretty dry. And so there's just a lot of ways to answer that. But I think some of the biggest things you could do is um, get your team together and brainstorm. I can't remember the questions I made them ask, but it was something like what was missing? What was confusing? What are we doing right? And what do we want to grow in or something along those lines? And I think you find your vision in that. What if you're on a team and you're not the leader and you want those things and you don't necessarily feel like you have like the liberty to, to hold that kind of a meeting? What do you do then? Yep. Yep. That's still a great question. I, I think that I've had people work for me who would be in that seat and I can only speak for myself, not every like employee or hiring manager, but something that I loved was them bringing that to the table. Um, there were different people who worked for me that were like, you know, I think we're, we're like missing it in this, or 
I'm seeing our team get like really sarcastic in a way that I'm kind of seeing as being like unhealthy. What do you think about when we do this? This is where I would say, be careful is not don't approach your hiring manager with all of these things that you see going wrong or culture that you see being poor or things that you think you should change mm-hmm. with no input in how those things could change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that is like, gosh, one of the biggest pitfalls of our culture is we love our generation, especially like we'll complain all day. We'll judge all day. We'll blame all day. We'll tweet all day thinking we did something to like change the world, but we didn't necessarily bring one single solution. We just restated things other people have already said in eight different ways. We just over whined. and over and over again. We just yeah. whined. Um, I'm so, so guilty if you of that. Are that <laughs> I mean, we all are. Like I would, I'm sure I've done the exact same thing on teams I've been on. And so um, one of the biggest things that at least was helpful for me looking back was the people who didn't just, it was helpful for me that they pointed things out that weren't going well but it was even more helpful when they had crafted a solution that they thought could be helpful in the long run as well. And we kind of nailed that down together and executed it as a team. Yeah. Even if it's like a horrible solution, like at least come to me with something. Yeah. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. we got to have a starting point. Absolutely. So turning the lens or the camera on ourselves a little bit, um, in a work setting, um, I know we've kind of talked about this previously, but uh, can you tell me like a, one of your greatest failures in a work setting? Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this question too. So, you know, <laughs> well, you've been thinking about it. I haven't because you just oh, asked me <laughs> by thinking about it. I mean, for like 20 minutes and okay. What's you. yours? <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really have one. I feel like for me, it's, it's like, minute little failures so instead of this like catastrophic thing where I ruined all of my workplace like no it's more of like these little moments where I I I don't know it's actually really frustrating for me because it's like the smallest things feel like the world has ended so (laughs) god forbid if the world actually ended I don't know what I would do yeah actually but for me it's like if I look at like the pattern of like the things that have made me most anxious or most disappointed in myself, it's consistently when I create more work for other people. I just like Mm -hmm. carry that on such a unrealistic level and it's frustrating because I know it's not healthy, but I just really don't do well if my mistake is then on the shoulders of someone else. I understand it's not a healthy thing, but it's a failure for a reason. So I'm just being vulnerable here. I feel like I need a category of failures <laughs> to choose from. <laughs> I I mean, I would agree. I don't know that I've had like a failure that I deemed like, you know, shattered our, our whole workplace or program or culture or anything. At least I hope not. I'm not like thinking of one necessarily. Find out um, one day. Yeah, I guess I will find out one day, but I agree with you as well. It was like more, I mean, just small things along the way that especially left untouched would, could have probably definitely turned into bigger things. Um, one, this is, I'll say this one, cause I think it's ironic to what people actually think of me, but. So intrigued. Yeah. One of the things that I think I wish I could have grown in more and would like to continue growing in more is actually direct 
directness, like being more direct, especially in terms of what I actually need from people, the worst. Like if you want to talk about failure, I mean, I will like rationalize every way around. Like, no, I don't have to correct this person because I mean, some stuff was like black and white and I was like, okay, well, this is very clearly needs to be corrected. Um, I actually had a harder time with it with people or employees who I was like closest to. And I would deem like every reason why I didn't need to correct them because this lack of something happening was totally my fault and I didn't say it right. I didn't cast the vision right. Oh, I should have double checked on this. I should have monitored that again. I should have, I mean, just everything that I should have done and not, not necessarily being just direct on what was not done and what needed to be done better. Um, so it I wasn't necessarily on like, because you didn't know what you needed, like you were very much aware of what you needed and just couldn't voice it. You know, it's been both. Um, probably. I think there's so many times I wouldn't have known what I needed. I, it was also just very practical stuff down to like, will you, will you organize this list this way or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's a, that's a whole different like topic, honestly, because that's just like delegating in a different way. But oh, um, talk about that. I'm yeah. not great at it. I'm learning though. I, I'm great at delegating. I'm not great at when I don't feel like the thing I'm delegating, when I feel like the thing I'm delegating is constantly being turned over in a way that I asked for it not to be. Yeah, like maybe it's the time with delegating. Maybe it's not the right thing you're delegating. Yes. Or or I'm delegating it to the wrong person. That's a whole thing too. Like learning people's strengths. I had a really like fight to figure that out on teams I've been on and who really would be what best at what, not always just what they say. Some would be like, oh, I'm just, I love data or writing. And then I'm like, come to think of it. Whenever I give it to you, you seem to hate it. So maybe you don't. Um, And it makes sense. Like I've only led young professionals. I think we're all learning what we actually like versus just what we were told we were good at and think we like. And so that that's like a whole different, again, a whole different topic. But I do think that there was definitely failure in just not being clear whether I knew the needs of what I needed or I didn't, not voicing them and feeling too bad to be clear on them was something I still look back on and think like, I wish I would have done that better. So I'm thinking of a, an instance of my own journey here. And cause I, I was going to ask you like, how do you work through it? And like, how do you actually like let it go? And I'm thinking about this moment um, when we were together downtown and I had the day off. Do you know where I'm going with this? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. This is just an example of like who I am and my own. The crap I deal with from you. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the day off, didn't check my phone like all day. And that's like very difficult for me. I did. She I tried. tried. I made it to like 3.30. And honestly, not because it's like, I just have to be working all the time. I just don't want things to be waiting on me. And so if I can like keep them moving, that's just the nature of my job. Like if I can keep it moving, I'm going to do that if I can. And so anyway, I, ch- <laughs> I checked my email at like 3.30 <laughs> and my heart just like sank over this. Honestly, it wasn't even an error because it was like, I mean, it was an error, but it, it was like nothing. We didn't do anything different necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately like shut down and just like mm-hmm. sat there. Curled in a ball. 
<laughs> I did not, <laughs> but I voiced that I needed a minute because you guys were like, let's go. So let's, you said, let's time. I need a minute. <laughs> no, I said. did not. <laughs> yeah, you did. I wish I could record it. I called Lauren. I said, Lauren, Jamie needs a minute, so we should go. <laughs> I did, and I took a minute, and I, I tried to let it go. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily like succeed in that. No. So I guess I'm like, I'm posing the question to you as well. <laughs> like, how do you actually like get over something? And for me, it was like a combination of like, okay, in the grand scheme of what I'm working on right now and in, and where this little tiny piece fits, why is it getting so much attention? And then there mm-hmm. was an element too, where I just like needed to hear that, like, this wasn't my fault. And I don't want to, re- I don't want to rely on that because I don't like, that's not healthy either. But I think in this moment it was like, okay, this isn't as big as you think. And also you didn't do this wrong. Anything else you'd add to like helping you get over something? You know, I'm really good at just blocking stuff out. <laughs> I can I compartmentalize. I will just well, sit so. in it for hours, days. I, I mean, I can't explain it. I don't know why I do it. I don't know how I do it, but I could care so deeply about it and then just, and then not, and then decide, well, okay, time to think about something else. And then I'm just off in my own world thinking about something else. I will think about it again if it gets like brought up or if I'm reminded of it. Sure. I'm not like, you know, completely inhuman, but um, again, not healthy at all. And so working through how to do that better, a skill of mine and a downfall of mine is that I really can't just like block it out. Like I can't even tell you the amount of times I've had this like incredibly difficult can't even believe would never even repeat type of conversation and then walked right into like leading the meeting the 15 people like just right away I cannot I feel like I don't know if I've trained myself to do that or where that comes from but I think because I've had to do those things it is almost just become like second nature just be like well that really yeah. sucked you don't really have I did that option. so bad I don't have another option and I have to show up tomorrow and I have to be here and they're still looking to me to answer that. So again, would answer that different being on a team versus the whole weight and responsibility of like leading the team. I might've done that differently if I wasn't necessarily in that role. So it's the unhealthy way I've coped with it. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> if like you want to help my, someone. <laughs> my initial response is like, I'm going to run the other direction. I'm out. Good luck. You're on your own. Like I, can't help you there but I'll sit with it until it magically just leaves my shoulders seven days later or you know something it's not there's no I don't really have like a I wish I did I have a routine of like this is step one this is step two it's just different depending on the scenario for me it's amazing too answer too because the scenarios are probably very different yeah the scenarios are different and like the things that like seem to weigh heavily on me are fascinating like it really is like the little things and I'm like I'm annoyed that four people got this email that shouldn't even though I couldn't control that mm-hmm. but I'm not annoyed that like I printed this whole thing wrong and had to reprint it and it cost x amount of dollars okay I would still care about that one too I was yeah, yeah <laughs> but yeah, you know I what I'm like, saying you like, wouldn't care about that no I surely surely would care but that's yes. also that's also because I like responsibility is in my top five, and so I 
feel responsible for everything that I'm told. Yeah, and that's a whole different that's a whole different ballpark ball game there. I'm not in that one. I'm in a different one. I decided a couple of weeks ago that if I could get rid of any of my top five strengths, I'd, I would turn in my responsibility card for any other one. I don't even care what it is. I, you could give me woo. I would take woo, which is probably like woo. at the end of my list. I am people, not a wooer. People hate on the wooers, but I'm like, oh, I guess I would take it. I mean, I, come on, I like get people woo. to do what you want them to do. Oh, no, it's so great. Like, I love wooers. Like, they're... So they are wooers for a reason. They are loved. You do they have a lot of those. Chosen. Life. Oh yeah, I'm surrounded by wooers. I'm not that way. I feel like <laughs> my stomach turns inside if I try to woo. Like it just feels literally so fake. <laughs> but I would take it over responsibility sometimes because <laughs> responsibility is exhausting. It is exhausting. Um, for those listening, we're talking about strength finders, which is kind of like a personality test, but more related to like your workplace. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones. I know people are all about the Enneagram and all kinds of different things, but I really love um, this personality test. If you haven't checked it out, you should. That's yeah, my selling you, point. You really should. Sign us up, strength finders, promote us. Here we are. We don't um, get a discount. You. Or, or we don't, don't get, get a, a discount. So I have no link to give you. And no affiliate you take link. Strength finders. <laughs> Um, test, but there's essentially like what 34 or something mm-hmm. different strengths that you could get, and um, most often you get your top five. So, unless you pay for the others, so it's a good one. And responsibility is the one that Jamie has that she hates. Mm-hmm. Who knew responsibility is a strength? You know, it's funny. The last time we tried to record this episode, we were talking about work personalities, and basically, mm. I thought. I was like cool, calm, and collected at work, and nobody could tell if I was, mm-hmm. you know, stressed or something. And you just laughed. <laughs> I I get it now. I've been enlightened for that. You should you should put in some of those uh, some of those segments in that episode that has yet to be released. I'm so humbled about it. I really am. I still stand by my statement though of like I think what I produce isn't necessarily affected by the roller coaster of emotions I feel on a daily basis. No, I mean, your boss has said that. Like, I definitely think you you will still get stuff done even if you don't feel good about it. You can just see vividly that you don't necessarily feel good about it when you don't. So that's, you know, maybe the only difference. <laughs> I think this is a great segue into, like, what are we most afraid of in a work setting? Oh, good. Don't you think? Yeah. You're most afraid of? Yeah. You want to I feel first? like I've answered this with you before. You have. I wish I remembered what I said. Oh, well, tell me what feels true today. Well, why don't you why don't you kick us off on this one, James? What are you most afraid of? I'll give you some time to think. <laughs> I think for me, like, I often wonder if I'm getting to the place that I'm trying to get to. What place that is, I don't know. I don't actually know where I'm trying to get to, but I'm trying to get there. And I just want to know that I'm on the right path. And I want to know that what I'm doing to get there is work I can be proud of. And I think being in a creative space um, and being in a, in a work environment that requires me to keep multiple projects going at the same time, I often feel like I, and this, I think this is like not even, I don't, I'm not meaning this 
uh, as a knock on my current job. I think this is just me trying to figure out how to internally manage more than one thing at the same time and feel good about it. But I often feel like I'm just getting things done to get them done. And I don't feel like I have the time to give my whole self to something. And again, I don't think that's like a thing current to this job. I think that's me just learning how to work, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just often feel like things that I do feel mediocre, even though they're not like mm-hmm. they're good and they were done right or well. But it's often just like, was that the best I could do? Yep. And I think understanding within myself, like, when are the times when it's necessary to just get it done? And when are the times to like, no, this needs to be my best? And can I have, can I live in a world where there are both? So would you, do you, you fear like being mediocre in that? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think I often look back at the things I finish and I can see things that I would change or I would do differently or I would say Mm -hmm. differently. Oh yeah, definitely. And I've recently learned that my inner critic critic is quite loud. Yeah. That's such real. That inner critic. It's just always like you could have, you could have done that better. And I don't know. That's hard to sit with. I think I definitely, I mean, could relate a little bit to that, at least inner critic in that way. Like you could have done that better. And I guess in different categories of life. So maybe that's harder to say, but. I think that's just like the, like my inherent nature though, is like, I am gray. Like there isn't a one way to do it. And so I often will look back and be like, I could have done it this way or this way Mm -hmm. or this way. Like there's, there's not like, I can't look back at something and know like, this is the only way I could have done it. So I think that plays a part in it too. Yeah. You should have been an accountant if you want to do that. Ew. (laughs) No. Trying to make it black and white. This is what we do. This is what we can't do. Life. I do uh, I do appreciate black and white at work. It, yes. It's very nice to know my lane, but not that kind of black and white. Yeah, no. I would never want to do that. What about it you? I gave you I gave you some time mm-hmm. and also shared that gross stuff. <laughs> it wasn't gross. I think it was good. So greatest fear in work specifically. I feel like circling back, I also feel like I'm in a season of really, you know, figuring out who I want to be and what I want to do in a work setting and like allowing that to shift and transition. So this is a little bit harder to answer at the moment, but I do think that historically looking back on my at least working career, the fear would probably be like a fear that I'm not enough and not good enough for where I'm at, what I'm doing, who it's for etc. That could mean a lot of things, but I think at large that that's probably where I would land. It's just that those things aren't enough and who I am isn't what they're looking for and what I produce isn't what they wanted. And honestly, sometimes questioning like if obedience is even actually enough, if it's not even what they wanted me to produce to begin, to begin with. So yeah, been a good, good one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one's hard to sit with. Well, I debated staying it after you said yours was yuck. I was like, dang, mine's about to be like a freaking throw up, like <laughs> vomit. <laughs> like I said, but um, kind of deciding what I want. <laughs> I think I think they both are like at the core of them, though they are the same. Where it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's me. 
mm-hmm. it's tied to to me and mm-hmm. anybody can reject that mm-hmm. you know yep and even if i give it my best yeah maybe it still won't be right good enough there's no guarantee no. that's hard but i think it that's also hard. where you find that you can't just have external people telling you nope when you're good and, and that's where that's where I was kind of thinking relating to the inner critic and what you're saying is because I think I definitely, I mean, even what I just said, I fall to that where I'm like, I can almost find my significance in people being okay with what I produce or not being okay with what I produce and still finding, you know, lack of significance in that. Um, so mine probably relates to me even more like on a significant level outside of the inner critic level, but even all of those things, regardless of what you call them or how you define them or name them, it still comes from pretty much other people's approval in some way. Mm-hmm. And as much as that's been my biggest fear and maybe even failure is other people's approval. It's also been one of my greatest like life lessons. Like I think I'm like on a kick about that right now is it might be one of the greatest things I had to fall to and maybe one of the most painful journeys I've been on. But I really had to do that for I mean, even a long time to understand and to really grasp that, that my approval of myself is even worth more than theirs of me. And that takes a lot of work, honestly. That takes a lot of um, self-work and self-reflection to actually believe that and not just say it, Um, especially when you know how to say it and say it really well, but to actually believe that you are worth and worthy to believe that what you do is enough without anyone else telling you and believing that to be true is hard. And that's a journey. Oh yeah. Sing it from the rooftops. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, I don't know if that's like what our twenties are for, but I feel like if I was going to wrap, someone recently asked me what my greatest, what was the question? It was like, what, what was one of your most life defining moments? And I don't have one specific moment, but I have one theme and it would literally be that like, this like fight for approval from others and not even valuing my own approval of myself getting deep on the <laughs> zoom call here. <laughs> I expect nothing less. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> we need to go up, but can you help get us there? I'm not really, it's not really my role. So what in turn would you see looking back on maybe your working life? Um, what's something that you've been the most proud of or felt the most successful in? Yeah, I thought about this. <laughs> I didn't okay. really have an answer. <laughs> well, I'm going to make you have an answer. So <laughs> You might have to go first, to be honest. I'm not kidding. Okay. Well, you went first on the failure, so I'll take this one. This speaks to our personalities. <laughs> <laughs> um something that I've been the most successful in. Honestly, I think something that I can look back and be the most proud of is I would first want to say like the the leader that I've kind of had to develop myself to be, um, but also in that the person I've had to develop myself to be, I look back on so many different like times of my life where I had like that fork in the road of you can go this route and still look successful as a leader in this or even as a person in this or you can go the harder route and do the harder work to acknowledge where you're at and what you actually need and I haven't always chose that harder route but I think more often than not I have and so I don't have this one big pinnacle moment of something that I'm proud of or something that I think I could look back and deem was just this one huge giant success but I think 
it was a yes to those small successes of you can like wear the pretty hat and be called a leader or you can know who you are and know how much work you still need and be honest with that. And it would be easier to not be honest with that. But I think I've chosen that kind of harder path, hopefully Mm -hmm. enough to say that, that I'm developing into that, that person that I would want to be authentically, not just one that I, you know, would say I am or things I say that are important, but hopefully I live them. Mm-hmm. which feel kind of prideful to say out loud. But honestly, I I just think I've been in seasons where I didn't have a lot of oversight and no one over me. And I could have decided to go a lot of different ways, ways in my leadership and ways in my journey, but I didn't. And I think that that to have nobody tell you not to, but just decide to, you know, as a young 20 year old was something I feel like I can look back and be proud of. Yeah. That's like a character thing. Character. You know, I told you shaping my character. <laughs> I love the moments. I love the moments when you're like, I really like wanted to do this, but I did this. I mean, I've had so many things. I'm like, no one would know. Like if I do this, no one would know. And there is like, there's been, I don't know what it is, but it is like this deep rooted, like, but you would know Mm -hmm. and you would, you will know if you're leading more people or doing more things. And I think that would be enough to haunt me the rest of my life. So, Oh, I mean, you'd never feel authentic again. Like you would just sit in this, like, I am not who I say I am. No, then no. And I think honestly, the authenticity true, like me feeling really true in my authenticity is something that I, again, could still be proud on because I still find that to be true. Mm Mm-hmm at least as of today. That's good. Hopefully still tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> How about you? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to like be like, yes, this project I did on December 12th, man, that is what I'm most, most proud of, <laughs> which I think there are people in the right field that it is that. And I think that's great. I mean, there are obviously projects that I'm like, yeah, I really like, I feel like that didn't turn out horrible and mm-hmm. I'm proud of that. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, similar to you, it is more of like the little things. And I think I can think... I can remember a conversation I had where I was actually pretty respectfully honest about my concerns. And I say that basically saying like, I'm proud. One of my proudest moments was actually voicing my own needs and actually like not just doing it because I'm a person that will do it. Like I, I have to be a person that like can actually find my line of Mm -hmm. where I'm where enough is enough or too much is too much And I often struggle with knowing that line. And so the Mm -hmm. moments where I do get it right, they stick out to me because I, it matters and I want more of them. And the more I can like think about like, why was that moment? Like, why does that one stick out as being impactful or important or, you know, something to be proud of is because I think I valued my own time and my own anxiety (laughs) Mm -hmm. and yeah, my own humanness like I, I can't do it all and so yeah I think about that and, and the other moment would just be like again it's kind of in the same vein of but like me voicing what I actually want to do in a job and like mm-hmm. actually asking for it like how many people don't actually ask for a position that they want and I wonder how many people are stuck because they don't have a boss that's creative about roles or because they right. haven't spent time thinking about like what are the things I want to do? What are the things I want to grow in? So I think that'd be the other moment is like actually asking for a chance in a realm that I didn't really have a lot of experience in. Yeah, that's huge. So should we end with some 
trending things. Do you have any final words you want to say about <laughs> work? We didn't really talk about boundaries. Yeah. I don't even know what we talked about. I just remember that failure part. Um, <laughs> it's going to haunt you. I'll, that one I'll probably think about for a little while until this comes out. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's so many things we could say about work, but I would say the more often that you can find your worth outside of your work, which is very hard to do just in America, do it and find something else to do that isn't just work Mm -hmm. is essentially my talk of boundaries in a nutshell. I guess my takeaway would be you need a combination of both of us. And what I mean by that (laughs) is you need Anja's ability to compartmentalize in the moments that like you just got to get it done and then sometimes like you need the self-awareness to like sit with the pain of like why that didn't go well and why it's hitting you the way it's hitting you I think the combination of both of those you can you can grow forward if you're just compartmentalizing and just doing the work and never thinking about like why it's sitting with you the way it's sitting with you or what it actually all means I fear you're going to look back in five years and not know some of those things. I don't know. You could disagree, I guess, but um, sometimes I truly, truly hate self-awareness. Like it is actually exhausting to always be like thinking about the why, but it's also helped me in some ways. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, you need both. Absolutely. You can't just compartmentalize, compartmentalize, compartmentalize. And if you do, then, I mean, find yourself in therapy for a good hot few minutes there because you will need, be needing to uncompartmentalize and uncompartmentalize mm-hmm. over and over again. So yeah, both are needed and both will catch up to you if they're left undone and unhealthy. Yep. And on that note, Anj, what's trending in your world right now? You know, I know you're going to ask me this. <laughs> But you don't know. When I know two things I want to say, and I feel like you're going to laugh at me for both. But one of them was per your per you sending it to me, and you had to know that I was going to bring this up. Yes. But I could do, like, let's do a whole podcast on this. But I'm very confused on it, actually, because this podcast, it's called The Faith Angle. And I tried to look it up. This is just a side note for you, Jamie. I tried to look this up on the Apple podcast because that's where I listen to the podcast and I think normal people do except for you. And it's like not there. Literally yeah, it's it it's, look. it's not it's a like thing censored. anymore. It's okay, not a, it's not a podcast anymore. I okay, talked about right. this podcast like a couple of weeks ago when we talked about race. You did. You're right. That's why it sounded familiar. Okay. That's annoying. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. However, you can find it on would you send it to me overcast or something? Yes, overcast. So it is still on Overcast. Highly recommend it. Hit him up for the recommendation. But this specific one podcast was titled um, Holy Holy Misogyny. Mm-hmm. Something about the church. Don't yeah. even care. Holy Misogyny says it enough. <laughs> Man, I've been on fire about... I Okay, I came out of my bathroom today and I was literally shaking my head. You know, I was just like shaking my head. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my cousin couldn't see that I had my AirPods in. So she like followed me and she was like, are you okay? You're like shaking your head. I was like, oh, sorry, I took my earphone out. And I was like, oh, sorry, I'm just like freaking listening to this podcast <laughs> casually. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'll send it to you. So I sent it to her and like two hours later, I get back to this podcast though. And I was like, you see why I'm shaking my head now? And she said, uh-huh. And I was like, yep. Like, uh, I think I've probably said 
50 of those things that that person she's interviewing was saying, but essentially, and I need to wrap it up in a nutshell here. Mm-hmm. This podcast was talking about pretty much just misogyny in the church. And they didn't even only talk about it in the church, really. They talked about it just kind of like in all places. And um, misogyny is, to clarify for everybody, like pretty much a hatred for women or, a, or feeling a lack of importance for them. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about that. They talked about sexism. And like, I literally have been told 80% of the things that they said in that podcast. So one, I recommend it because if you feel crazy and you're a woman, you are not alone and you're not crazy. And two, uh, because people just don't know. I literally think that they do not, they do not know that this is a thing, that it's a thing in the church, that it's a thing in the business world, that it's a thing in, I don't know, families, just everywhere. So it doesn't exist anymore. Apparently, Jamie, just enlightened me. That's very sad, but you can still find the podcast and I highly recommend you find the podcast. It's part of the Faith Angle podcast, Holy Misogyny. James got the link. I technically do too now. You can DM Trendish and I'll send it to you if you want it. Honestly, every episode is good. Like every episode is good. Every yes, I did start listening to a few others, and they were all good as well. Um, that one was really freaking good. Very controversial, so much so much so that I wanted to post it on my Instagram, and I'm still like debating if I even can because really? I don't think everyone would agree with it. Yeah. Well, do you, you have to? Does that does everybody have to agree with it? No, just uh, where I'm, where I sit. You know, uh, I just gotta be careful with what I'm sure. <laughs> I'm gonna say I believe it, but one day I will post it. <laughs> Great. And I think it will be great and it'll be something I greatly believe in and pretty much believed almost every word of. So that one's great. And then the other thing trending in my world is um this is one you're gonna laugh at me for. Um, but I'm listening or watching, oh my gosh, reading. I'm reading The Knowledge of the Holy by Tozer. Just so good. This is classic you. I know. I knew you were gonna laugh at me, really for both of them, but like I always forget how much I love Tozer until I read Tozer again. It's good. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I think my recommendations are pretty much the opposite of yours. So let's just dive in here. <laughs> That's why uh, we do this together. It's true. Um, number one, just been in a real music rut these days. So um, I created a new playlist. If you want it, shoot me a DM or a trendish, whatever. Just needed something new. Uh, probably like six of them have been ones I've put on repeat. So I listen to like a song a day. I'm really annoying about that. Um, the, the other things it's just been in like a downward spiral with the TV lately. And I've been watching some of it because I got a lot of time on my hands right now. Two things that I would recommend. Number one, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Very attractive. Mm. Very attractive guy. Oh, yeah. Um, I love Zac Efron. <laughs> he's basically like traveling the world, which is equally as devastating because I know I can't right now. But just like talking about different ways and different perspectives on like how to do life. And I freaking eat that crap up. Like, yes, I want to only use a reusable water bottle forever. Like let's put water fountains everywhere. (laughs) Let's actually like literally in Paris, which I didn't see any of these when I was in Paris. So I don't know if it's like new, new or what, but they have literal like stations all around the city of like water fountains, even like sparkling water fountains. Wow. Can't talk about it. It's bougie and I need to live in Paris. Yeah. So I'd highly recommend that show. And then I would also recommend the documentary Athlete A. It's all about the Larry Nasser case. I cannot, the more I like dive into this story, like the more devastating it is. And like, I just, it is 
it's so fascinating and again, devastating how many people like knew about this and just didn't look at it as their own problem. Like it wasn't theirs to fix and they just like swept it under the rug. I don't know if you like know much about the case. I'm sure obviously, you know, like the bones of it, but um, not much. Essentially he like sexually abused over 500 women and he is like the, um, the physical therapist, um, for the USA gymnastics That's team. Right. Mm-hmm. The documentary is super well done, but yeah, I just loved getting to to see the women all come together and I don't know, it's just it's a fascinating story and yeah, really devastating, but I found it insightful. So, yeah, DM me if you need a new music playlist, if you need a show to watch because you're also you also have a lot of time on your hands. Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Or Athlete A. They're both on Netflix. And DM her for that holy misogyny oh, yeah. podcast. And Get it. You can Get DM it. Andre about the Tozer you book. Need to I, you need to be aware. You can DM me about the book. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love it. I could talk a whole thing on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Good stuff. See you next time. Hopefully in person. Not over Zoom. Hopefully I'll just see you soon. Amen, sister. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you thought of today's episode by tagging us on social media. This is Trendish. We'll see you soon.